Everybody needs to follow along in the scriptures because when we get to verse number 14, we're all going to join the host of angels in verse 14 aloud. All right? Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2. And let's see y'all position yourself uh, by the, those microphones there. Lace, you can, you can stand in front of that one over there. Manny, you and uh, uh, Ethan a little taller. And you can... Use that one there, and Mr. Hamilton will get it set up for you. You guys just stand right next to each other. Actually, you can probably just down that first step, fellas. And uh, there you go. There you go. All right. Perfect. All right. So we're going to read 14 verses. And so, uh, Manny, uh, we're going to start with you. You'll read one verse. Ethan will read a verse. Then Lacey will read a verse. Then back to Manny, Ethan, Lacey, like that. You got that? Everybody got that? Okay. All right, Manny, you start us off Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And don't forget now, you join in when we get to verse 14. Okay? All right. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this tasking task was first made in Cyrenius, was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his town, city. And Joseph also went upon from, went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, wait, Nazareth, into Jada, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because it, he was of the house and and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped it him in swaddling clothes and laid him in, in a manger because there was no room for them in a door. Wait. For them in in the end. In the end. Yeah. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be assigned unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. Give them a hand. They did a great job. Thank you all very much. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 36. 2 Chronicles 36. Let me give you a couple of lessons here from the, from the kings. <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 36, the northern kingdom was overrun first by the Assyrians and finally the southern kingdom of Judah will be conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. He'll come the first time and take away Ezekiel the prophet, 
the ruling class, some of the royal family, many of the craftsmen. He'll come back nine years later, besiege the city for uh, almost two years. People will get, it gets so bad, people are starving to death, literally eating their own children. They're starving to death, losing their minds. The last kings, 17, 18, and 19, the last four kings of the nation are mentioned in Second Chronicles 36. And I want to draw some lessons tonight. I want to speak to you on the subject. You can pick through whichever title you want. Uh, we'll call this message, Don't Be a Grinch. Or we can call it, Don't Be a Scrooge. Or we can call it, Don't Be a Hater. Whichever one you like is what you can call it. But here's an astounding commentary. A little snippet, historical statement about God's people. In Second Chronicles 36, 15, the Bible said, And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes, in other words, continually, often, over and over and over again, by sending them his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. The Gospel of John says that he came unto his own, speaking of Christ, and his own received him not. He came into his own people and they rejected him. They had a history of doing so. Over and again, he had sent messengers their way, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, and many others. And they rejected them as well. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But hallelujah, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We find something about a pattern of human behavior in Second Chronicles 36 and verse 16. Note the passage, you may want to underline it. It says, they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Herein is a pattern of human behavior. When we don't like the message, we attack the messenger. They didn't like what Jesus was saying, so they attacked him. And so it was with the prophets of old. They despised the messenger because the message brought conviction. There's some lessons for us today. These last four kings of the nation of Judah are mentioned beginning in verse 1. The people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's stead. Jehoahaz was 20 and 3 years old when he began to reign and reigned three months in Jerusalem. He didn't last very long, did he? This nation is swiftly coming to judgment. He's hauled off uh, into bondage by the king of Egypt who's on his way back from another army and takes a bunch of gold and silver with him. And so in verse number 4, his brother uh, Jehoiakim becomes uh, king. And uh, Jehoiakim, verse 5, was 25 and 5 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord against his God. 
Against him came up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, bound him in fetters to carry him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried off the vessels of the house of the Lord to Babylon. So king number 17, he's carried off. He reigns 11 years and he's carried off by Nebuchadnezzar. We get to verse 9 and king number 18, Jehoiakim, was 8 years old when he began to reign. Look, this is, this is incredible to me. He was 8 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 3 months and 10 days in Jerusalem and he did the end that... He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Here's an eight-year-old kid who's in power for three months and ten days and managed to do evil. The nation's in a pretty despicable place when eight-year-olds do evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 10, when the year was expired, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the goodly vessels of the house of the Lord and made Zedekiah his brother king over Judah. Zedekiah was one and twenty years old when he began to reign, reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. Twenty-one year old, reigned till he was thirty-two. And then finally, Nebuchadnezzar came. When he came that next time, he besieged the city and brought it to complete ruin. What happened to a nation whom God had chosen? What happened to Judah? What happened to these kings of these Nineteen kings, five of them would see a season of revival. Asa was among these, Jehoshaphat, Joash, Hezekiah, and Josiah. But eventually the, the southern kingdom of Judah, just like their northern neighbors of Israel, finally found themselves under the judgment of God. They would leave in their homeland and go into captivity for 70 years. What was the significance of that? God had commanded... That his people observe a sabbatical year, a Sabbath year, meaning that every seventh year, just as in every seventh day, there was a day of rest that was to be dedicated to the worship of the Lord and his service. And so it was that every seventh year, a year was set apart to be a sabbatical year. By the way, uh, 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 agriculturally, that's good for the land. Those who have learned to take care of the land realize the land must have rest. It must be replenished in order to be fruitful year after year. Well, uh, as uh, because of their greed, God's people dismissed that command and uh, they continue to plant and uh, and uh, and uh, try uh, again uh, to gain on their own uh, without honoring God's uh, mandates and laws. And so, when they went into captivity, uh, the uh, the uh, 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 they would remain in captivity for seventy years. It was four hundred and ninety years that they ignored God's Sabbath year. What's four hundred and ninety divided by seventy? Seven, God got all of his Sabbaths back. Now, you may think you're stealing from God, but buddy, you won't steal from God. Amen. You won't get ahead. And so for 70 years, they would pay back those Sabbaths, if you will, to the Lord. What happened to these? They saw under those five good kings, they saw true seasons of revival. I preached about that last Sunday morning. Asa was one of those kings who really and truly sought the Lord and, and, and God brought a revival. And, and, uh, it's such a marvelous story. You remember the two to one odds against the Ethiopians? 580,000 against the million and then all those chariots. And God gave him miraculous deliverance to Asa and he brought a, about a, a great revival. But sadly, go back. I want to show you this. Sadly, uh, go back to chapter 16. Sadly, Asa, before he died, 
something happened to his spirit and his attitude. Asa enjoyed a season of peace after that great victory against the Ethiopians. But then another challenge came, and instead of crying out to God as he did as a younger man, he hired some mercenaries, took God's treasures and, and used them to hire some mercenaries to fight a battle. And because of that, God was angry with them. And he sent a man of God to give God's message to Asa. Verse number 10, this was Asa's reaction. Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in a prison house, for he was in a rage because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people the same time. Asa would die. The Bible said in verse number 12, he became diseased in his feet. He would die and he would never repent of his bitterness against God's man, against God's servant. Give me, let me give you a lesson here. Don't ever lose respect for God's messengers. Don't ever lose respect for God. You want to turn into a Grinch? You want to turn into a spiritual Scrooge? <laughs> you want to turn into a, 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 a hater, if you will? Then lose respect for your mom and dad. Lose respect for your Sunday school teachers. Lose respect for the men and women of God that God put in line. Get to a place where you, I know better now. Asa saw revival. A true revival swept the land under his reign. But as he got older... And he got complacent. He felt like he didn't need God's messengers coming to him and making him uncomfortable by by speaking the truth to him. And so he lost respect for God's messengers. Back in our text chapter in chapter 36, one of those kings that is mentioned is is, uh, 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 Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, there's a story of Jehoiakim in, uh, in, uh, in, in Jeremiah, don't turn to it, in Jeremiah 26. Jehoiakim had a man of God, Uriah, come to him and preach a message to him. And he became so enraged at the man of God, he said, I'm going to kill you. Uriah then fled to Egypt and Jehoiakim sent an ambassador to Egypt and had him extradited back to Judah and had him executed. May I say this, we ought to thank God for those who speak uncomfortable truth to us, for it could save our lives. Do you remember the story of Ahab and Micaiah, Jehoshaphat? It was, Jehoshaphat was one of those good kings, but he made a bad alliance, and he survived the bad alliance, but his children didn't because his kids married Ahab's kids. Ruin the next generation. But Ahab and Jehoshaphat are going to go up and take a strategic city of Ramoth Gilead between Israel and Judah. And Ahab said, come help me. And, uh, and he said, well, is God in this? He said, yeah. And Ahab got all of his false prophets and they all preached a message. God is with you. Go up and take the city. And Jehoshaphat's looking around and said, man, these guys are all pagans. Is there not a, a prophet of Jehovah here? And Ahab said, yeah, there's one, but I hate him. <laughs> You know, can I tell you something? I, 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 if everybody likes you, there's something wrong in your life. But Micaiah had a reputation of speaking the truth. If you remember the story, Joshua said, well, you think we could have a message from him? He said, I guess. They went and got Micaiah, and I, I won't go into it now, but I think Micaiah had been in prison. Anyway, went and got Micaiah, and, and uh, on the way to, 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 to the court, the messenger said, now look, everybody else has preached a positive message, and the king's really hoping you'll preach a positive message this time. So Micaiah got in the courtroom. He said, king, go up and take the city, and God's with you. And Ahab said, how many times do I have to tell you, you speak the truth? He said, okay, you're going to die in battle. How do you like that? And that was the battle that one of the enemy took a bow and shot it at a venture. The Bible said just shot up in the air and shot right through the shoulder blades of Ahab. And he bled to death in that chariot. 
Can I tell you something? Listen, if there's people in your life, mom, dad, whoever they are, and they are sent, as our text says, as messengers, time and time and time again to speak the truth, you ought to thank God you have people like that in your life. Amen. You want to become a Scrooge, you start, you start disrespecting and despising those who speak the truth of God in your life. Next, don't for, take for granted God's patience and compassion. Look at chapter 36 and Mark in verse number 15, the word betimes and the word compassion. Hey, don't take for granted God's patience and compassion. Yes, God is slow to anger. The Bible says so, but He's angry with the wicked every day. And sometimes we mistake God's patience and God's uh, 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 forbearance is one of the great uh, characteristics of God. It speaks of God's restraining power. God sometimes restrains himself where he has every right to and could and should, if you will, chastise or scourge or bring judgment upon uh, 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 us. And yet his forbearance is the, is his, his restraining his own strength. And it's only the forbearance of God. It's only the mercies of God. The Old Testament prophet told us that we're not already consumed. Listen, don't you mistake God's mercy as God being aloof or somehow God doesn't notice what's going on in our lives and somehow he doesn't look at the way we treat his messengers. Oh, no, no, God's not aloof. He's not aloof. He's aware. He's just extremely merciful. And if you're enjoying the mercy of God, you ought to run to his feet and grab him by the ankles and say, oh, blessed Savior, thank you. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Don't you mock his messengers because God's day of wrath is coming. Here's another lesson for us. Go back to chapter, look, go back to Asa in chapter 15 for a moment. Several of these kings are recorded as making commitments to the Lord earlier in their life. In chapter 15, verse number 12, let's start verse 11, and they offered, chapter 15, verse 11, they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. That's every one of God's people ought to do that right there. Amen. Every one of God's people ought to enter in a covenant to seek the Lord God with all of our heart and with all of our soul. It's recorded of Hezekiah in this same book in chapter 29, verse number 10. He too made a holy covenant and, and, and gathered others to make that same covenant. Later uh, uh, in chapter 34 and verse 31, Josiah, uh, who is uh, a 15th king, uh, 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 father of Jehoahaz, it's mentioned here first in chapter 36, Josiah, he too makes a, 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 a sacred covenant with the Lord. Hey, listen, here's a lesson for you. You don't want to turn into a Scrooge, a spiritual Scrooge, then don't forget the covenants and commitments you made to your God when you were young and your heart was tender when God moved in your heart in a service and commitments were made and tears were on your cheeks listen don't forget those days go back and review the day you got saved often go back and review the day you surrendered your life to the Lord go back to the days we're at a camp or revival meeting or a Sunday service somewhere or little children's department when your heart was tender and you made promises to the Lord listen don't forget those promises of yesteryear don't turn into a spiritual scrooge Don't forget God's patience and compassion. Don't lose respect for his messengers. Don't forget the commitments you made in better days. 
In Second Chronicles 36, look at it, if you would, please, in verse 16. The Bible said he sent those messengers by times, many times, but they mocked, verse 16, the messengers of God, and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people till there was no remedy. Verse 17, therefore, therefore, he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. Hezekiah was one of those good kings. Remember, God came to him and said, Hezekiah, you're going to die. Get your house in order. Sent Isaiah the prophet. Hezekiah fell on his face and began to weep. Isaiah was walking out of the palace before he got off the palace grounds. God spoke to Isaiah and said, go back. I've decided to give him some extra time. And Isaiah goes back in and speaks to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, God's heard your prayer and he's going to give you an extra 15 years. He's still going to bring destruction, but he's not going to do it in your generation. And you know what Hezekiah said? Well, at least he's not going to do it while I'm living. Doesn't that seem like a callous thing to say? That was his response. You would think Hezekiah was falling on his faces and wept and wept and wept for the next generation like he wept for his own life. But he didn't. Hezekiah, would you not think about your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren? You see, after this final king, Zedekiah, judgment came by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, by the hand of the Chaldees. And young men were slain, maidens, old men, him that stooped for age, all were given into the hand of the tormentors. May I say this, my dear friend? We're watching our nation change so quickly, are we not? I mean, at warp speed, our nation is turning its back upon the God of our fathers. And it, it just, at warp speed, it seems. Let us not forget there are those who come after us. Let us not forget that it takes only one generation to forget and to lose principles that have been given to our generation. If just one generation makes an exception with this book as, it, as our final authority for what we believe and what we practice, then the starting point of the next generation will be what we left them and not what was given to us. Oh, may each and every generation think about those who come behind us. Yes, I know and understand that the plight of this country is, is in lock step with prophecy that one day there will be one world money system and a one world government and a one world religion but may I say also there's a truth in this book that God spares a people because of a righteous remnant if my people 2 Chronicles 7 14 called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways not the nation's sins from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven forgive their sins and heal their land and God can yet give Reprieve, and I believe yet give revival to a nation. Not when we get rid of the queers. Not when we get rid of the sodomites. Not when we get rid of the pedophiles. Not when we get rid of the drag queens. Not when we get rid of the unbelieving academia. Not when we get rid of the uh, of the of the thugs and the and uh, and the uh, dope pushers and, and, and the criminals. But when God's people humble ourselves and seek His face, then God heals the land. It's in our hands. I don't like what's going on around me. I want to flavor this world. That's what that's part of what salt does. But the hope for America lies in people sitting in rooms like this across our land tonight. Amen.
One last thought from Second Chronicles 26. Go back there and I'll be done. Second Chronicles 26. Isaiah had some good years. And the Bible says of him, in verse 3, he was 16 years old when he began to reign and reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. Verse 4, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Verse 5, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding of the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord God, sought the Lord God, made him to prosper. Verse 7, and God helped him. Uzziah had some godly influences in his life, and Zechariah the prophet is one of those. And as long as Zechariah's influence was in his life, he did so well. But we get to verse number 15. Uzziah made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till, look at this phrase, till he was strong. It's an interesting word, strong. It means to fasten upon. In other words, as long as he was striving, as long as he was grasping, as long as he was reaching for, as long as he was exercising courage, as long as he was overcoming fears, as long as he was building a God-fearing kingdom, he was miraculously helped. Verse 16, but when he was strong. That's a different word, strong. It means prevailing power. The word strong at the end of verse 15 is a man that is reaching and striving. And the word strong in verse number 16, entirely different Hebrew word. And it means a man that has reached the point of strength. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Here's the lesson. When he quit striving, when he quit striving, he got to the point he didn't think he needed God anymore. May I say I'm 52 years old. I'm at the prime of my life. I'm uh, 50 years old. I'm in the middle years. I'm in the middle years of my life. And you know, my generation, those of us in my age group right here, there's a temptation that comes with this age group, and that is this. We've kind of, we've, got, we've done a few things. We've learned a few things. We have a little more wisdom than we had a few years ago. And God's allowed us to accomplish some things. And the temptation, listen carefully, the temptation of my generation is to sit back on our lees and say, well, we've done something for the Lord. Uh, All's good and well. Let's pass the ball. Listen, let's strive until the day the trumpet sounds or till God calls us home. You want to become a spiritual Scrooge? You want to be a spiritual Grinch? Get mad at the messengers. Don't respect them anymore. Take God's mercy and compassion for granted. Forget about those commitments that you made as a young man when your heart burned to do something for the Lord. Forget about the ones who come after you and think only of yourself and your generation and sit back on your leaves and don't strive anymore. Don't try to win souls to Christ. Don't try to reach the loved ones you used to weep over that you just sort of, well, if they ever get saved, they get saved. No, sir, no, sir, no, sir. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I want to be a spiritual Santa Claus, not a spiritual Grinch. I don't know if that's Bible, but that's what I'm trying to say tonight. Amen. Oh, listen. I, I want to be a Christian on top side. These dear men, God gave them chance after chance after chance after chance. 490 years of it. And in the end, God said, I have to judge you. They turned on the very messengers and berated and mocked the ones God sent to love and help them. 
I don't know about you, but I want to keep on going. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. How about you tonight? You got a candle with you? Who needs a candle?